Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. That's love. That's love. Oh, that's love. That's love. Come on now. That's love. Uh, yeah. That's one of those animated songs, you know. They, you're singing that when you realize that he went to Calvary. And the purpose of him going to Calvary was to save a rich like you. And you ought to be really aggressive when you say like me like me not pointing the finger at anybody else but just at yourself that was the purpose of him going to Calvary to save me no greater love than that that he that a man would lay down his life for a friend but he laid down his life for enemies Yeah, he, he laid down his life for the folk crucified. That's a tough one, Rob. That's a tough one. <laughs> no greater love than Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No greater love, my Lord. I know, I know. Move on, Sparks. Ham's in the oven. Potato salad is ready. We ready to get to the eating today. Eggs been died, bunny sitting on ready. Bunnies. No greater love. He paid the price before I ever knew it. He did. He did. For my liberty. Anthony prayed and spoke earlier about the significance of today and how every preacher wants to come up and just knock one out of the park. It's, just, it's a proverbial championship game for every pastor. It's the, it's the three seconds left on the clock. Got to hit a three-pointer. A three Got to do it. It's the bottom of the ninth. And, you the last that bad. Yeah. It's already a two, three count. You, you, you got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Like the little guy did from Gonzaga yesterday. Pop one at the last second. He might not ever do anything else in life, but he'll be known for hitting that shot. He may not have hit any of them in practice, but he hit that one. Yeah. It's a blessing to be able to do that. But how about this is more significant than any of those situations? How about you need to know that there are some things that don't come with theatrics. They don't. They don't belong on the highlight reel. They're intensely personal. You gotta be able to separate those from the things that simply titillate you. Those things that give you a tingle because you're being seen 
may not be as important as the things you do in, in private. And you need to be able to understand what's happened today personally in order for you to talk about it publicly. There has to be something that happens in your heart in order for you to make sense of all of this. We've been talking over the last few days here at the church and all over Christianity, Christendom, about the events that transpired on a hill called Calvary, about how the one we call our Savior, Jesus Christ, was mercilessly murdered on a cross. But he allowed it to happen so that heaven could be satisfied, so that his father might have communion with mankind again. This is heady stuff. This is heady stuff. This is not just something you pick up in a magazine and believe it. No. The entirety of the Bible is about God loving us. God wanting to have a relationship with us and us messing it up. Us not being able to have the type relationship a holy God needs. And when we got to a place that we couldn't commune with him anymore, he had to send someone to show us how to have that kind of relationship. And we believe that that's his son, Jesus. Yeah. So can I draw a line in the sand for you and make sure you understand this? Because I just heard it this week that fewer and fewer people are attending church. Fewer and fewer people are believing in what we believe in. Although most people still say they believe in God. We do too. But we also believe in his son, Jesus Christ. This is a unique identifier for us in the Christian community. We believe in God. The devil believes in God. He knows he exists. But we believe that God had an only son, only begotten son named Jesus Christ. And we believe he came and he lived with us for about 33 odd years. We also believe that he was killed on a cross. Most significantly, we celebrate today because we believe he was resurrected. He got up. On that third day, we say, from Friday to Sunday, that third day, Sunday morning. But let me tell you why there's a problem in just accepting that. Because at the same time the news was running out that Jesus was resurrected, there was already mischief afoot. At the same time that the women who got up that morning to go to the sepulcher, his grave, to see whether or not he had been well, they weren't going to do anything but to anoint his body with spices, as was the custom of the day. They were nervous as they were going because they knew that the Romans had placed a stone over the entrance of the tomb at the request of the church. Yeah, the church wanted a stone placed there because Jesus had already said to them that if you destroy this temple, meaning his body, in three days I'll rebuild it. They didn't really understand the spiritual nature of what he was saying, but just to be sure, they asked the Romans to place a whole Roman guard 
on the tomb. Not only that, they sealed the tomb, which means they took rope and they fastened it around the entrance to the tomb, and then they sealed it with the Roman governor's seal so that anyone who broke that clay seal with his insignia on it would be guilty and could be executed. These women were worried. They were worried. Who will roll the stone away? Is that what Anthony just read? Who will roll the stone away? Yeah, who will do it? This morning, I want to tell you that just as the truth was getting up and getting out, there was also a lie starting. And this morning, I want to talk about the big lie. The big lie. Yeah, the big lie. Let me read it from Matthew, the big lie for you. Now, while, starting in chapter 28, verse 11. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, watch this now, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed, they being the soldiers. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. We're in a time in our society when the truth is not as valuable as it has been in times past. Technology permits a story to develop so fast that the truth may not come to light as quickly as an untruth. Sometimes it's only after much inquiry and after much investigation, much searching, that you can figure out what really happened in a situation. You think about it now, what were some of the worst lies in our lifetime? Things that turned out to be absolute hoaxes. If I polled the congregation, and it's slim pickings in here now, but even in this group of people, I guarantee you we could come up with a good list of historical fallacies of lies. Yeah, we just ended a U.S. governmental administration who by most interpretations played fast and loose with the truth whenever they saw fit. Sometimes it was fast and loose with the truth to the point of absurdity. So much so that this last administration particularly the head of the administration, the president, had a running total of the number of untruths he told <laughs> while he was in office and was record-setting. The truth about some of the civil rights atrocities that happened, just coming to light, just being discovered. We're just now discovering that people have been hiding the truth about how they harmed, maimed, killed people for years. In fact, we know that the federal government was complicit in many of these activities. 
that too is just coming to light. Decades and centuries later, people are trying to give pardons to people who never did anything in the first place. Not only that, decades later, they're trying to prosecute people for things that everybody knew they did in the first place. The lies told during the termination or the extermination of the Jews during the Holocaust still being discovered. It's not unusual now to read a story of a family that's still trying to recover some stolen artifact or piece of artwork that was taken from their family home and hidden or utilized for profit for decades during the Nazi regime lies. Whole governments, whole communities have been built on lies. Grandchildren today trying to recover legacies that were stolen from their grandparents. Lies, no matter how you slice it, lies are dangerous and church, they can be deadly, as I've just said. Lying to yourself, in fact, is the worst kind of lie. Yeah, it's one thing to lie to somebody else, but it's certainly something else to lie to yourself. Yeah. Lying to yourself can get you in a world of hurt. Lying to your doctor can get you killed. Some people decide they want to go talk to their doctor and not tell them the truth about what's going on with them. As if that's harming the doctor. All you're doing is hurting yourself. Lying to someone who loves you can fracture a relationship in ways that can never, ever be repaired. Sometimes people lie because they don't know any better. It's possible to lie because you just don't know any better. But most of the time, lies are an attempt to not only conceal the truth, but they're also trying to manipulate a situation so that the outcome can be different. Such is the case with the scripture we read today. Cover-ups are an attempt to rewrite the truth, to change someone's perception of reality. But in the end, Richard, it's not possible. Watch this. Psalms 85 and 11 says, the truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. The truth, according to scripture, is always going to prevail. So today we're celebrating the single event in the history of Christianity that changed mankind's spiritual course. And even then, even in the in the dawn of that spiritual event, here comes a lie. Even at the dawn of the most significant Christian event that has ever transpired, someone had to slip an untruth in to try to get their version of the story out. In the annals of antiquity, despite the overwhelming evidence of the fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy, there are still those who try to conceal the facts and cover up the truth. It was a lie dastardlier. I thought it should be more dastardly. And when I wrote this, but, but Spellcheck said it should be dastardlier than any previously mentioned lie. And so for that reason, I call it today the big lie. The biggest lie that's ever been told in the history of the world. Why is that? 
because it has to do with your very salvation. If you believe this lie, then you put your very eternal life in jeopardy. So watch this. There's some lessons we can glean from this lie. And let me see if you understand it now. The scripture's pretty clear. As the women came to anoint Jesus' body, they come on a scene that's magnificent. On the ground are all the soldiers who were guarding the tomb. They have been knocked out. And the reason they've been knocked out is because somehow heaven caused an earthquake to happen at the tomb. Yeah, an earthquake. And that earthquake came about and a person who was adorned all in white, we know him as an angelic figure, came to the tomb, broke open the tomb, and Jesus got up out of the tomb and walked away. This is the scene they come to, not seeing Jesus walk away, but they find, the women find the aftermath at the tomb. The men are knocked out. Now, in case you think that this guard was small, I want to show you the absurdity of the lie they told. There are about 16 soldiers in the Roman guard. So we're not talking about one or two people here. We're talking about the entirety of the guard was knocked out. They were struck dumb by what happened. In other words, they could see it. They couldn't move. They couldn't say anything until those women got there. They couldn't even get up. All they know is they saw a man open the tomb and they saw the man who was in the tomb get out. They also know that it wasn't a rush job. It wasn't like a wind came through, no, because when they went in the tomb, the scripture says that the bedclothes that Jesus was wearing were folded neatly. He took his time leaving. And so they're stuck with the problem. Because the one job they had was to protect this tomb and the person in it, and now they've miserably failed at it. And so they know that their life is in jeopardy. Because if they go back and they tell their leaders that they were asleep on the job, they'll certainly be killed. If they go back and tell them the person who was in the tomb got up and left, they're also facing death. But instead of running back and telling the captains who placed them there, the Bible said they went instead to the church leaders. Watch this now. You ought to know. Whenever you're not going to the people you're supposed to report to, you're trying to start some kind of cover-up. You're already starting with an excuse when this happens. And that's where our verse comes in. Because it says, while they were going, behold, verse 11, some of the God, not all of them, but some of them, the other ones had probably already caught the first train out of town running away because they knew that their lives were in jeopardy. The guard came into the city and they reported to the chief priest. Under no circumstances do Roman soldiers report to priests. There's no circumstance that makes them come and have to tell them anything about what they do. And yet, the Bible says clearly they reported to the chief priest and told them everything that had happened. Now, stick a pen in that. That part of that figure, that, that verse is extremely important. The soldiers told the priest everything that had happened. So watch this. First point I want you to get out of this is your haters really do listen to you. Oh, they listen to you. 
They keep up with you. They know what's going on with you. It fuels their hate and dislike of you. They pay attention to you. According to Matthew's gospel, when Jesus was crucified, the religious leaders remembered his promise that he would rise again. And so it's strange. Watch this now. Watch this. It's strange that the people who opposed Jesus remember his promise, but those who follow them forgot it. Yeah. The ones who were with him every day, going from pillar to post, sitting around, eating with him, ran and hid. Got out of Dodge, hiding in some apartment room somewhere. And the ones who hated him paid close attention to exactly what was going on. Your enemies always remember everything you say. They're hanging on every word because they are paranoid enough to think at some point you're talking about them. Yeah. They wanted to catch him. They wanted to use his words and defeat him. And because of that, they listened. But Jesus reminds us that even in that, we still have to love our enemies, even though they're trying to trip us up. We still have to love them and pray for them who are trying to despitefully use you. You remember all those times in Jesus's ministry where the Pharisees and the priests were trying to trip him up with a question. You remember they weren't doing that for their, edif their, their edification. They weren't doing it for their information. They just wanted to trip him up because they already thought he was a charlatan and they knew more than him. But they listened to him anyway. The hierarchy didn't believe in him, but they also weren't going to take anything lightly. And so to prevent the disciples from stealing Jesus' body, I've already told you, they put this guard out there, the great stone out there, the seal on there. Sooner or later, mankind realizes that there's no human security system that can stop the truth from coming out. When God wants the truth to come out, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's nothing we can do anywhere to prevent that. There's no elaborate scheme that can alter God's prophetic pathway. There's no, there's no amount of wrongdoing that can bury goodness and righteousness forever, as they try to do. No pack of lies can bury the truth forever. No earthly power exists that can prevent God's promises from coming down in the fullness of time. Mankind can try as he might, but God's truth will always prevail. So toward the end of that first week, truth got up out of that grave. No matter how man tried to crush it, it still got up out of that grave. So imagine being those soldiers for a moment. You know, you're working with probably a minimum wage job. You're just trying to get through the day. And all of a sudden, here it is. The one thing I'm supposed to do is protect this body, guard this body. And I messed this up. What am I going to do? The first thing you're going to do is try to get yourself project protected, which is why instead of going to the captain of the guard, they went to the chief priest. Watch this now. They went to Jesus's haters. And they told him everything. They told the chief priest, Caiaphas everything. Caiaphas understood that the one thing they dreaded had just come to pass. He said he was going to get up in three days, and here is the guard telling me he's gone. The body is gone. It seems as if 
It's come true. Now, now, this is why this is a big lie. Because here are the people who have been teaching, preaching the scripture, who have been telling everybody else what they should expect from a, a Messiah when he comes. And here comes the proof that Messiah has come and resurrected as was prophesied. And guess what they do? Instead of allowing it to come out, they create a diversion story. Why? Why would you create a lie to cover up what the soldiers have validated as being the truth? Why? Why would you try to hide the fact that the greatest phenomenon that's ever happened in history has in fact occurred? Well, that's the second point, because people will lie to protect their status and their reputation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You see, what they saw coming right then and there was the end of their do-good. If Jesus can get up out of the grave, then we're going to be out of a job because everybody we know is now going to start following Jesus. There's nothing we can do, nothing we can say to hold on to these folk. They're gone now. Nobody's going to come by and turtle doves and, 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 and sacrificing bulls. So my good living is gone if the story gets out. And so they decided, Richard, what they were going to do was bribe the soldiers. Oh, yeah, they decide they'll give them a little money, more money than they'd ever had in their lives. Now, it's not the first time. Watch this. All around the crucifixion of Jesus, folks are getting bribed and paid off. At the beginning and at the end, Judas got paid off to betray him in the first place and realize that he had taken blood money on somebody that was innocent. And it, and it, and it killed his spirit so much so that he committed suicide. Judas even tried to give the money back to these same priests. They wouldn't take it because they realized that it was blood money. And so they tried to, watch this now, you see this on TV, they tried to take the blood money that Judas had and wash it through innocent means. And so they took the money that Judas left before he hanged himself and they bought Potter's Field. Yeah, to a place to bury indigent people who couldn't afford to have a tomb. Didn't make it any cleaner. It was still wrong. And here they are again, now taking more of the people's money from the treasury and trying to bribe the soldiers and telling the lie. People lie to protect their reputation, according to the scriptures. The soldiers took the money. Oh, they took it. They took it because the, the alternative was, in fact, to be killed and go and report themselves. They must have done a good job, too, circulating that rumor, because even today, folks still believe that Jesus getting up out of the grave is a lie. Now, there was only a couple of folk at the tomb that day, but how is it that the lie has traveled as far as the truth? That tells you the power of a lie, and this lie that was told still has legs. When you look at the way the chief priest connived in order to destroy the truth, you shouldn't be surprised at them because they had a history of lying. People don't just lie real good first. They usually practice it. It's something that they've done before. Yeah. And they've started what's the biggest lie in the history of mankind. Watch this now. 
Third thing is the truth is still the truth, whether you admit it or not. People forget that. People forget that just because you tell an alternative situation doesn't change the truth from being the truth. Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who was a pretty famous senator from, from New York for many, many years, made a statement that has been getting legs again recently, particularly in the current political structure. He said, you are entitled to your own opinion, but you are not entitled to your own facts. There is only one truth. No matter how you spin it, it does not change the truth from being the truth. The church leaders knew the truth because they were the ones who taught the truth. They were the ones who had the scrolls. They were the ones who studied. They knew all that had been written in all the prophecies. Judas had lived with the truth, and yet he openly denied that Jesus was who he said he was. Now we see in scripture all the things that Jesus did when it came to healing and teaching and changing folks' lives, we can't imagine what he did in private that Judas was uh, privy to, and yet Judas still denied Jesus was the one until the end of his life. The religious leaders had also been right there on the front line. They had followed him. They had seen him feed the thousands. They had seen him heal the people with disease. They had seen him cure all these people from not only malady, but they'd heard him pronounce the forgiveness of sin. And watch this now, Brittany. They knew what Isaiah said in his prophecy. They knew what Jonah wrote in his prophecy. They knew that Michael had talked about this Savior coming, and they knew it because they were on the front line of teaching it. And so when you take what is obviously the truth and when you spin it for your own benefit to deny it, that's a lie. There's no little white lie. There's no innocent lie. Every lie has blackness and depravity in it. And even those that you don't think can hurt people can destroy lies. Some Christians today, y'all, are still telling the big lie. Yeah, they cover up the real story. How do they do that? Because they take the relevance out of Jesus getting up out of that grave and they cover it up with fashion. They cover it up with new clothes and they don't talk about the king. They cover it up talking about sweet candies and they don't talk about the sweet savior. Yeah, they, they cover it up as having no effect, no meaning, and they perpetuate the lie that nothing happened on that day of significance. And I came to tell you today that if the big lie is going to stop y'all, then preachers got to preach the whole part of the story. Preachers have got to preach glory. Preachers have got to tell the entirety of the story and that he got up out of that grave that Sunday morning. Not only that, artists have got to draw the whole story, y'all. They got to paint the picture such that people know that that was an empty grave when he came out of it. Singers have got to sing the song such that folk know he died for my liberty and he got up 
out of that tomb. Offers have got to write the whole story. Don't put that he got, out, got up in a footnote. Make it the main part of the story. He got up. Poets, don't draw any innuendo. Come straight out and say, Jesus is Lord and Savior. And so you ask yourself, how do you stop the lie? How do you stop the lie? What is it that I can do to make sure that this lie is not perpetuated? Let me give you this and I'm out of here. There's one way you can always stop a lie in its tracks. It happens and it works in every situation. In the criminal law, if you're part of a conspiracy, I see a lawyer back there. The one way you get out of the conspiracy, the one way you get out of the lie is to tell the truth. It's the truth has power enough to stop everything from progressing in this track. When you want to show I'm no longer a part of this negative, you have to come and tell the truth. And the truth is that Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. But that's not how the story ends. The truth is that three days later, he rose again. That's love. That's the truth. All you have to do is tell somebody. People want to make the story so complex. Don't pay attention to the soldiers. Look at the sisters who came out. They came and told all the disciples, he got up. We went to anoint his body, but there was nobody to be anointed. He got up. And I love this about Jesus. It won't be long before he'll come and let you know that he got up. All those scared men was, were in that apartment, still disbelieving. They ran down to see the tomb. Oh, they saw that there was no one in the tomb. They saw that. They saw the clothes neatly folded, but still in the back of their mind, they had some doubt. Can I tell you this? Keep on believing. He'll show up, and he'll show you that he is, in fact, alive. I saw that he came not back to the tomb to prove that he was there. My Bible said he came where they were. He walked into their apartment. I love this. They didn't even open the door. There was no window that went up. And my Jesus came into the room and said, I'm alive. I came to tell you on this Sunday morning that Jesus is in this room today and he's alive. He's a part of who we are. He's still leading us all these years later. And if you too want to be on the truth wagon, just tell somebody Jesus is alive. He's with us. Don't worry about the soldiers. I don't know how long that money lasted, but it wasn't long enough. They couldn't outlive the fact that even as they were spending the money, they still knew the truth. And that is that the man who was in that tomb wasn't in there anymore. How do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile today that people are still being healed? Folk can't explain it. Doctors getting, giving up on everything they know. In fact, the doctor will use all his medical knowledge, turn around to you and say, it's in the Lord's hand now. You need to tell them it's always been in the Lord's hand. And that's because we all serve a risen Savior. I gave it over to the Lord. Can I tell you, if you've never accepted him, and if you've never accepted the outstanding, humongous, wondrous sacrifice he made, he was totally committed to your salvation. Totally committed to you getting back to heaven and being with the Lord. He didn't do it halfway in that. He did it all the way. He died for you.
He died for you and he stayed dead. I love it. He stayed dead past the point in time when anybody could say that his soul was still hanging around like he talked. He stayed dead all the way until heaven said, come on home, son. And I can just see God taking his hand down into that grave. And he touched him with the finger of love and resurrected him. And that's the God I serve. Don't believe the lie because the truth will set you free. If you've never accepted this truth for yourself, today is the day. Make Resurrection Day your new spiritual birthday. Today is the day you need to accept the gift that he gave you, and that is eternal life. Believe he died, but more importantly, believe he rose. My prayer is that God will bless you and keep you. And if you've never found a church family that fits you, that works for you, I'd suggest 45th Street. I suggest you come and try us. We try to be followers. We try to help people. We try to be friendly. In fact, we call ourselves the friendliest church from the parking lot to the pulpit. We're struggling every day to be better. And I hope you'll come and try to walk this walk with us. If you never make it to our physical location, it's okay if you simply let us know that you want us to pray with you. It's okay that you want us to know that somebody should contact you because you want to accept the Lord. We can do that. Just let us know right there in the comments. If you're watching right now, if you're in the cyber court, I got some people in church, more people than I've had to church in a long time. But I got some people listening online who still need to have a church family. If you're, if you're that person, we invite you to come and be a part of who.